Hello, and welcome to the Living Lightly podcast, a Seeds Church podcast where we wrestle with what it means to live lightly in relation to God's creation. Well, welcome to another Living Lightly podcast. My name is Ted Enstick. And I'm Darlene Enstick. And today we're actually putting our other host, Connie Hepner-Mueller, into the interviewee seat as we have a bit of a conversation about this podcast and the vision of it, and also uh, just learning a little bit more about Connie's um, story around living lightly and um, how she has found herself in this place. So first of all, Connie is a high school teacher in our community, teaching human ecology, which is about the environment of the human. Got that right this time. And uh, she gives leadership to ACAN, which is the Eltona Community Action Network, which is a local advocacy group that's been working with various government organizations and other organizations to help us think differently about how we treat our local community around things like garbage and composting and recycling and all those kinds of things. And she's one of our own here at Seeds. So it's good to have you, Connie. Not in the host chair today. Yeah, feels good. I can sit back. So as we were we were just having a conversation about how this podcast became a bit of an accidental podcast because we were in the middle of a worship series at our church, meeting like we normally do with people gathered together, and then the COVID-19 pandemic hit our local community and our country and, of course, the whole globe, and it put us into a situation where we could not meet in large groups and doing things like social distancing and being very careful about how we live our lives, and it's made us more isolated. And we saw this as an opportunity to um, communicate with our community via the podcast. And so we just got started, and uh, we brought some people in that we were going to interview in our worship service. And here we are in episode four. And we've wondered, you know, we've never really had a conversation about what this podcast is about, its vision, um, where we want to go with it, um, what kind of conversation we want to have. So uh, we thought maybe we would do that. So maybe do you want to start, Connie, with saying, like, what, what's, uh, what are you thinking about the vision of this podcast? Yeah, as I recall, it came out of conversations that we had surrounding Lent, and we wanted to focus on creation care for our Lent season here at Seeds. And we talked about how Lent often was about giving up. Um, Lent was almost about like punishment. Lent in, in the past has been about carrying a burden, perhaps. And we, we just thought we might want to approach it in the opposite way. Like what would it look like to instead of giving up something, take, um, add something to our lives. For example, we, we've often thought about giving up chocolate for Lent. A lot of people have given up chocolate. Well, we thought, what if you added chocolate, but you added fair trade chocolate, mm-hmm. you know, so that you're not necessarily, um, punishing yourself, but you're allowing yourself to maybe indulge, but in ways that are respectful to the planet and the people on it. So the the chocolate example being quite trite and um, you know behavior based, but just as an example of 
of instead of Lent the old way, um, maybe Lent in a new way. And so uh, we, we wrestled as a small group with what uh, living lightly for Lent at Seeds could look like. And we had lots of ideas and, and so many directions we could go. But basically, we, it, we narrowed it down to stories. Like stories, hearing people's stories is, is so powerful and I think moves people much more than data. And, and really, we don't want to make a list of do's and don'ts or behavior changes that we want to see, even though that would be wonderful in the world, you know, if people would change certain behaviors. Of course, that would have a great impact. But when you focus on behaviors, um, I just feel like that's, the, that's not really going to drive real, lasting, sustainable change. It's, uh, it's telling stories. It's um, sharing with each other. Um, to the point where we can get to a common place, uh, a place where we can agree on some things and share values. And, and that's really what this, the panel, which is what we were originally going to do. We were going to have a panel discussion live at, in a worship service. And so we broke it down rather into a podcast. But it really, that's where it came from. We wanted to hear how, how people are living lightly in their lives, like how it plays out day to day, morning, noon, and night, the nitty gritty, and, uh, and learn from each other in that way. Well, I think that's a good segue to actually get into story. And what about your own story, Connie? What, um, like, what is your story of awakening to concern about care? I mean, you've been a very, very strong advocate over the last decade in our community. And some significant things have happened in our community around recycling and composting. Um, and you were a big part of doing that. But what's kind of the, the backstory to the motivation that got you to this place? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it's hard to cobble it all together because it's, uh, you know, it started when I was very young, so I just have these sort of sketchy memories. I, I do remember seeing a documentary. I'm in my old house in my mind's eye and, and looking at our old TV, so I'm I'm not quite sure how old I would be. I don't know if I would venture any kind of guess, maybe 12 or something. And I saw a documentary about some sort of environmental degradation. I don't even really remember the exact content of the documentary, but I remember it just like looking around and thinking, who knew about this and didn't say anything? Like, I, wh- why are we not all running around like our house is on fire? Like, did you just see what they said? I just remember feeling like this urgency, this, oh my gosh, my eyes were opened, um, I felt, and I just couldn't believe that that truth existed in the world, but I didn't really see much being done about it. So that's an early memory I had. Um, I would say in high school, my world issues teacher, Ted Clausen, also opened my eyes to a lot of things. He a lot of issues that were happening in the world. And again, just feeling like, why is no one doing anything? And so I remember being part of um, the early days of recycling in Altona, um, being part of a group that was like a pilot project to get it started. Um, And so we would go and sort the recycling um, on Saturdays. And I remember um, collecting the garbage from the hut because they didn't recycle. And I just couldn't stand it so I would bring it to my backyard and I would with two big garbage bags hanging from my handlebars kind of like wobbly getting getting all that garbage home by myself and uh rinsing it all out with the garden hose in the backyard and then bringing it to the recycling depot myself 
stepping on a plastic fork and getting a a shard of plastic deep in my foot, you know, (laughs) just willing to go the long mile for the environment. And, you know, looking back, um, people must've thought you were crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. (laughs) You know what I really wish? I wish that I I have some regrets about that. I mean, I was just acting uh, according to my beliefs or what I thought was important, but you know, not sustainable in any way, shape or form, not guided, not, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it feels, it feels clumsy and I feel a little bit shy about it. Like, Oh boy, you know, that was, um, it was misguided. Like there was, there were bigger fish to fry. And anyway, I mean, it was a clumsy first attempt maybe at just trying to do something about the problems I saw. But if I remember correctly, um, because I've heard the story of particularly the hut and going through the garbage and sorting it out, um, it wrecked you like that. It wasn't, it wasn't just like a head, you know, oriented sense of, well, this is my belief. It was like, it rocked you when you saw that. And so it was very passionate at an early age. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was, um, yeah, it bothered me greatly. I also worked at, at um, what was then Penner Foods and is now IGA, but working in a grocery store and seeing how many packages go through, went through my till every day and knowing that that was, you know, multiplied over the world, that, that definitely was like, it bothered me. Every package bothered me. Every day bothered me. You know, that adds up. It adds up. It adds up. And then the problem is, though, when you don't have an outlet for your passion, it turns either to anger or apathy or both. And I feel like that would characterize the next decade or two of my life. Like after that, like maybe my twenties and my thirties, along with the fact that you're distracted in those decades, like starting a career, starting a family, like you're busy with other things, but there was definitely um, an underlying sense of, I want to do something but I have no idea what. Also, when I did try to do a few things, it didn't go well and was met with some amount of resistance sometimes. And so I just sort of went the other way and thought, ugh, no one else is really doing much. Maybe I don't really need to do much either. Maybe we can just, maybe we can just all live our lives and not worry about it. And so more apathy... Yeah. But anger wrapped up in it sure. in that as well. Sure, and underlying anger at the state of the world, but and no outlet, as I saw it at least, to sorry. No outlet to do much about it. Or it didn't seem like I had one. Yeah. Not that I wanna I don't want to talk like the victim at all. I mean I could have at any point done something, but for whatever reason, I didn't. For well, a you're, while. Ta- you're talking about a bit of the ebb and flow of, you know, um, being awakened to things and trying to go after something and then finding lack of success or resistance and then finding your way back to it. So, I mean, one of the parts of your story that is obviously coming out is that you've been wrestling with what this means for a long time. So talk a bit about the last maybe decade where you have been in a more active community building kind of role around this stuff. And um, there seems to be some fruit coming from this pursuit that you've done. Say a little bit how you kind of made this shift into the last decade of working at stuff and 
what are you focused on now and how are you focused on that? Yeah, it's, um, I'd say it's a story of community in some ways because, uh, it started with a conversation with one other individual around a fire and, uh, she and I just got to talking about how we were both, um, discontent with the state of the world. And then we looked at each other and said, well, want to do something about that? And we were like, okay. And that's really where Aiken was born, that conversation, because that, that individual and I just started making baby steps towards little goals and then getting other people involved. And, and then, yeah, we started an, an official group and called it, we at first called it CAN, uh, Community Action Network, and then we added Altona CAN, ACAN, um, and it's kind of grown into what it is today, which is a group where we, you know, we're certainly not anywhere near perfect, and we all have busy lives, and whatever all the limitations are, but yes, we've tried to make some inroads into, um, our mission statement is to educate and inspire our community around sustainability, and uh, yeah, we're slowly working at that in a number of ways, and yeah, like I said, it's not perfect. It's not nearly what I would love it to be. Like there's just so much work to be done and I, you know, it's endless. I, I'm always, um, I'm always trying to concentrate on what we have done instead of what we haven't, but it's hard for me because I'm always just wishing we had, you know, we could do a million more things, but you're kind of wired for more always like yeah. thinking about what, what's ahead that you can do. Yeah. What's one thing that you're super proud of? I'm super proud of our collaboration with the town of Altona to bring year-round composting to Altona. I think that's that was a huge, huge, huge uh, success. The the town council in in being willing to offer the infrastructure was you know that's just so forward thinking of them, and so it's a big risk on their part as well. And then the collaboration where we are. Um, charged with the task of educating the community around that. I mean, that's a huge job and it'll be ongoing for a number of years for sure. But the, that, that partnership I think is a real model for other projects that we might be able to tackle in the future. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty proud of, of that. In fact, I have a meeting, uh, in an hour about the, exactly that, a zoom meeting. So it's ongoing work for sure. So I'm wondering about the faith part of this. We, this is a church sponsored podcast and, uh, our mission at Seeds is to make Jesus real, which um, is a pretty big mission. And I'm wondering, how does your faith connect to this? How does it motivate you? How does it guide how you do this? Not everybody who's working for the planet and ecology is motivated by a faith perspective, but what's your faith perspective on that? Boy, we need a couple of hours maybe. I'll try to try to make it short and sweet, but um, often nature has been referred to as the first Bible. And I just love that because before we had written words um, about whatever you want to call it, the divine, the creator, God, you know, so many great names. Um, we had the creation of the creator to, to look at. And we still do. And it's, um, you know, if you want to know the nature of the divine, if you want to know the spirit, if you want to know the, the character, 
just look at what the creator created. And uh, it's, it's so evident to me in everything that you see that there is love and um, there is enough and there is wonder and there is beauty. And, you know, nature just has everything. If you never had a Bible in front of you, nature could tell you all you need to know about, about God, I feel. So it's my love for the natural world is deeply, deeply connected to my faith. And yeah, so I, I suppose that's why it wrecks me when it's treated disrespectfully because it's, it's a sign that we're not connected to the creator when we don't respect the creation. Yeah. So when, when we live in connection with each other and with the created world, I mean, that's when, when life just gets sweeter and lovelier. And that's, you know, I love the theme, the living lightly, like when, when we cast off the burdens that the society puts on us to have more, be more, um, you know, that's living heavy, living with those rules. But when you live connected, that's when, when life gets lighter. Yeah, I really like that. I this makes me think a bit about this podcast and what what could we accomplish and what could we focus on. And I I'm reminded of I think it's a Wendell Berry quote where he he makes we often think of in in the church kind of cultural understanding of our world is there's sort of like the sacred spaces and the secular spaces. And um we are often always kind of um, putting walls between the sacred and the secular. Mm-hmm. And I think Wendell Berry put it this way. He said, there's no such thing as the sacred and the secular. There's only the sacred and the desecrated. And desecration is basically desacralizing a space. And so um, it feels like um, from a faith perspective, there is a movement to try to recover the sacredness of everything, of the whole creation. And, and maybe lamenting where we have desecrated spaces. And, you know, when we pollute our water, we pollute our world, that's a desecration of something that's meant to be sacred. And so when we talk about things like composting and recycling and economic structures that are unjust and all this kind of stuff, it's not really sort of like we're now talking about the worldly stuff. We're just trying to reclaim the whole world for for faith because the creator created everything. And so I think, uh, I feel like that's a kind of way, something we're trying to do is like hear from people how they're taking back spaces and making them sacred. And further to what you just said, um, it feels like it's about life. It's about living, about joy and beauty and wonder and all these things that are a part of our creation. And, uh, when we desacralize things, we lose that. And we're trying to, I guess, claim something back. I don't know. I like maybe way, you... I like the way you said that. I, I also, um, throughout the th- some of the things that you're saying, Connie, is um, it's revealing, I think, how these 
endeavors to do things externally in our structures and in our community, it always still comes back to also what's going on internally, what's happening inside of us. And they're not, they're not disconnected either. The right. sacred and the, the secular, they're, that's just an illusion. And external and internal is, is they're so linked. And so we're paying attention to what is this producing in me? And so in you telling your story of earlier years, you know, there's this, oh, this is producing something in me that feels like apathy or feels like anger or feels like despair. And how can I engage in this in a way that lives lightly? Um, I think that's been one of the beautiful things about this title, this series, this podcast is this invitation to take something that is so, can feel so heavy and hard and is really, um, in our world, but also connect, connect it to, um, an invitation for beauty and wonder and living lightly. And I just, I've liked how, how this conversation has weaved kind of in and out of, of outside external I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, <laughs> external things, and also what the state of our heart, the state of um, our souls, and how that inspires us in in moving forward. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have... Um, well, we, uh, we have this list of questions that we share with people that we've been interviewing, and, um, and these are good questions for us to ask ourselves. And uh, I'm going to ask you, Connie, about them because you're the one that came up with these questions. Um, Has life become more interesting, difficult, fulfilling, or inconsistent? What does life feel like on this journey that you're on? Yeah, all of those things, for sure. Wow. Those are all autobiographical questions, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um... Yeah, on some levels, life is simpler since I've, you know, dug in a little more. For example, in our family, we try to, well, okay, I will rephrase that. I, because <laughs> I feel a little alone in this right now with my teenage girls, but that um, my goal is to buy clothing that's either secondhand or ethically made. And that takes you out of the mall. And it used to be, you know, a Saturday every once in a while would be spent, you know, browsing in the mall. And uh, now that, you know, things like activities like that are just off the table for me. Like, that's just not what we do. And wow, I don't need the mall. I don't like the mall. When I go to the mall now, uh, it's like, like a big mall. Of course, the Altona Mall. <laughs> of course we want to frequent that place. I have to be careful politically here. Uh, but a place like, yeah, like a big retail center um, creates all these needs in myself that I didn't even know I had and these wants. And it, you know, when you haven't been there in a while, wow, when you go, you just feel like, yuck, this is making me feel yuck. It makes me feel like not enough. It makes me feel like I want all these things I didn't want before. And, and so now that that's off the table, I'm, I just love it. And uh, I can spend a Saturday afternoon hiking and be far more fulfilled by the end of the day than an afternoon at the mall. So just a small example, I guess, of, of some choices in our lives that have, I would say, made us um, 
helped us to live more lightly in so many ways. You know, when you don't go to the mall, that's lighter on your pocketbook. When you don't go to the mall, that's lighter on your self-esteem. When you don't go to the mall, that's lighter on your schedule. Like, list the ways. It's lighter on the planet when we don't consume as many things. Like, just keep going. And so, I forget all the adjectives you said. Is my life more inconsistent, consistent, what? Difficult, fulfilling. Difficult, fulfilling. Hmm. More fulfilling, for sure. Even though I do always have those nagging nagging uh, wishes uh, to do more, be more, um, get more done on this front. Um, the work that that we have done both as a family in our waste reduction challenge, but also work that ACAN is doing. It's, um, it's definitely more fulfilling than not doing anything and lying awake at night and worrying about things and wishing things were different. Well, okay, we're not tackling everything and it's not perfect, but Hey, we're doing something. And in the doing something, there's, there's some measure of sanity. And, but you know what the most important thing is the conversations and relationships like I really have to say that um, that's been that's been the biggest benefit slash like fulfilling piece of any of these endeavors is the um, the kinds of conversations it has allowed me to have with people in the community, but even people far away when they contact us about our our waste reduction challenge, for example, or other you, matters. Why don't you say a bit more about that? Like, that's been a bit more of a public thing that you have done as a family. You've put it on social media. Um, say a little bit about how long you've been doing the waste reduction challenge and what that's been like and maybe even what how it's impacted others. Sure. Yeah, in 2017, January 2017, we uh, decided as a family that we would try to reduce our waste to landfill by... Um, limiting it to just one ice cream pail a month. And we, we decided to embark on that as a whole family, and it was a family challenge, and we were, yeah, just um, trying lots of different ways to reduce our garbage. It's like, it's like the first time maybe that you really are, that you maybe keep track of your finances, um, like when we first kept track of our finances in our early marriage. You know, you first have to budget, and you have to see where all your money's going to, so that you know... Um, how to better use it. And this was the same way with garbage. We would collect our garbage and then analyze it and say, hmm, okay, this whole section of garbage over here, these, I don't know what, um, these toothpaste tubes or whatever, we would kind of categorize our garbage and sort it out and say, okay, this whole category, what could we do differently? And then each month we would attempt to find a solution. And after a year, we realized that we could reduce our garbage to the ice cream pail every two months. And yeah, we're just, we're continuing with that. In fact, I have my garbage collected right now in a, in a bag ready for another post, an uh, Instagram post soon, uh, where it's been two months and it's, it was about a garbage or a ice cream pail, give or take. Um, yeah, so it's just been, you know, it's not perfect for sure. It's not perfect. And now we have a cat. Ugh. And the, there's kitty litter, and there's nothing good to do with that. So, are cats a part of God's creation? I'm uh, just wondering. Just a question. Are. Asking for a friend. Asking, Asking for, for a, friend. a friend. Actually, yes. Sorry, cat lovers out there. But what about the excrement? Maybe they they were meant to live outside. Perhaps. <laughs> right. So can I actually pick up on something in that when you, you've said a couple of times in this podcast, you know, we're not, it's not perfect. Can you 
share a little bit about how you reconcile um, the the not yet, the inconsistencies, the mm. the things that you still contribute to? How do you how do you reconcile it? Maybe personally, like in your head or even with your faith, like what, what do you do with it? Because I, as you're talking about things, even when you were talking about the mall, people are thinking, well, I still like the mall or, Mm. you know, there's always these areas like, well, I haven't done that. I haven't gotten to that or the cat litter or whatever. Don't know what to do about that. So how do you, what do you, what do you do with that? Great question. Great question. Uh, A good friend of mine and yours, Amy, uh, got a phrase into my mind, directional movement. And I love it. I live by it. Um, we're not there yet, but are we moving in a direction? Are we taking a step in a direction? And maybe that sounds like justification in some ways. Uh, and maybe sometimes it is, I don't know, but I, I think it's, you know, if you're gonna, if perfection or nothing is how you live, you will do nothing. Right. And so we have to just find a way to keep moving forward and be okay with imperfection. And yeah. So yeah, a great example, the mall. Okay. So I said I didn't want any clothing that wasn't ethical or secondhand. Well, I just could not find pants. So I bought, I went to the mall and bought pants just recently. And that's why it's maybe more of a a recent example in my mind. And it was a kind of a horrible experience. But, hey, I have pants. And now I'm just going to make sure I wear those pants a good long time. Um, Yeah, I probably some. So you wrestled with it. You wrestled wrestled with it. But then you also kind of came to a point of this is this is true that the mall has you've been able to say goodbye to it. And it's also true that you're you haven't said goodbye to it entirely right. and both right. they're both true. Right. And, and then what I said earlier in the podcast too, about, um, it, the last thing we would want is for, I wouldn't want to have a list of behaviors that I would write out and then say, everyone should do exactly these things. This is not the idea. It, like you said earlier too, it has to come from inside. And I think the wrestle, the question, the, the grappling is is the f- where the life is, mm. uh, and we we have a bit of a funny saying in our house too. As long as you feel guilty enough about it, you can buy whatever you want. <laughs> we don't really mean that, but there is a little truth to that. With like, have you at least? Do you at least acknowledge the ripple effect of your decisions? Do you acknowledge that? Do you or do you understand it? Do you? Do you do your best to mitigate it? Yeah, it sounds like there's like a, um, to put it back into a faith perspective, there's a bit of a humility in that approach that on one hand you're recognizing in the Christian tradition we would say our sinfulness, that we miss the mark, we don't get it right, we're, we're not living up to our God-given um, identity. And at the same time, we're, we, there's grace for us. There's, mm-hmm. We're still accepted. Um, there's even this theological concept of at the same time sinners and accepted at the same time. So it's like mm. they're they're held together. And um, there's something light about that too rather than sort of like a, 
moving from fire and brimstone preaching about our salvation to fire and brimstone preaching about the end of the world environmentally and needing to turn or we're going to burn kind mm -hmm. of idea. It's so it feels like they're connected. For sure. We tell stories. We tell the turn and burn, the fire and brimstone is a story and there's a better story, I think. And that's mm -hmm. part of what, um, what you inspire people in Connie is the, the story. There is a, there is a beautiful story of a creator and creation and, uh, we are not invited into a fear kind of rule behavioral based world. We're invited to a, to a life light filled, uh, connection with mm -hmm. the creator and creation. I think that's a better story. Yes. I was reading recently, I don't remember where, about how if you could, if you could speak to a tree and the if you could tell the tree what it could do possibly for the world like what's the best thing a tree could do for the world well what on earth would you say to it other than just be the best tree you can be like just sit right there and grow and make oxygen and do what you were created to do and i feel like that's what we need to hear like be be who you are be the expression of the divine in the world mm. that yeah. you were created to be. And that doesn't come with a list of do's and don'ts and a list of behaviors. That just comes from being mm. and not doing. I, uh, I was, this is a number of years ago. I was at a moment of absolute despair. Um, I just remember like, I was in my backyard and looking up at the sky and like just crying out to God and saying like, well, if you gave me this love for the world, uh, but you know, nothing to do about it, nothing like, what am I supposed to do to save it? Um, oh, sorry. Um, I just listened for a while and you'll have to edit this out. No, we won't. I just heard I heard you're not in control. Just enjoy it. We're allowed to we're allowed to cry on podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not if no one can hear you anymore because your <laughs> voice cuts out. Yeah, you're not in control. Just enjoy it. And so I think the very best thing we can do for the world is Lie in the grass and enjoy the sky. Listen to the birds and uh, take care of the humans in your life too. I mean, humans are part of the natural world, of course. And I forget that sometimes. That's why I have to <laughs> say that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you're not in control. Just enjoy it. And so that doesn't mean I'm going to sit back. I'm. I, I feel like there's still things to do, uh, and that's okay. As long as those things to do, I think, um, don't trump the things that we need to be, mm -hmm. the, the people that we need to be. Well, I think you've you've articulated that the things you do they they come from a place of love. 
like what you, what your the emotion that you're experiencing right now mm-hmm. is a sense of love and that love inspires us to do things, beautiful things. Well, that, that paints a rosier picture than, than <laughs> what is always true. But <laughs> I know definitely sometimes my motivation is not in the right place. And so I, I do try to uh, do the things that bring us back to, to a place where we can behave the way that we <laughs> would like to behave. You know, I mean, of course, things make me angry and uh, I can... It can be about ego and it can be about all kinds of things. And it's just so important that we take the time to be quiet and take t- the time to listen and, and also have, have good people around us that aren't afraid to speak truth to us so that, so that yeah, because the picture you just painted is who I would like to be all the time. It's not certainly not who I am all the time. It's your truest self. It's, it would be a goal. Yeah. That sounds like we've had a good conversation. Thanks, Connie, for... What does Donkey oh. on Shrek say? It's not a party till somebody cries. <laughs> really? That's right. <laughs> I thought it was about waffles on Shrek. I don't know oh, how that's... that too. But let's have more of those. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, really good. Thanks for... I think what I, what I loved about this conversation is we've kind of had a real-time sort of visioning time it feels like where we're just wrestling with what we think matters and what we need to hear about and i feel like maybe the hope for for these conversations that we have is that we can be inspired by what people are thinking and doing and what they're learning and also be motivated to move and do and act in ways that we can be more who we are meant to be so that's there's a lot of hope in that there's a lot of enjoyment in that i believe thanks so much thank you thank you